Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. Okay, Brad, let's, uh, I think it's fun. I think it'd be fun if we did a contest. What do you think? Sure. Let's mix it up. Well, you and I were reading our reviews on iTunes. Well, we love the reviews, folks. Thanks for writing those. And we were reading them and we came across one that cracked us up. So it did. go ahead and why don't you uh, read that for our listening audience? This is from uh, somebody named Love These Guys. That's, um, that's his username is Love These Guys? Oh, no. I take it back. Oh. That's the subject oh, of his that's review. That's the subject. Okay. His name is Benjamin Graham Button. Okay. Which sounds like a made up name. Well, no. Benjamin Graham is the author of The Intelligent Investor, which spawned <laughs> Warren Buffett. <laughs> and Benjamin Button. And Benjamin Button is, of course, the uh, reverse aging uh, Brad Pitt. You're saying it's not um, a made up name. No, it's a very clever <laughs> play on... Uh, you're funny. See, you're already see, got us... See, he's already You already amazing. got us laughing. It okay. could be a she. We don't know. Okay, that's true. If it's made up, it could be a boy or a girl here. So, okay, so what, what is the review? The review is, it's like listening to your dad's finance friends explain 201 and 301 concepts. So that's like, you know, college classes, right? 201, 301. About commercial real estate and private equity. Funny and informative and good for those who know the basics and want to dig deeper. Yeah, we thought that was funny. Good job. Listening to your dad's finance buddy. So so we thought it would be fun to do a contest. So we, we, we love your reviews and we need more of them. We'd like to get this show out to more folks. So if you wouldn't mind going to iTunes, giving us a five-star review, if you think we deserve it, and then writing a, uh, writing a review and make it funny. I think we love funny reviews. And so I think what we'll do is the, by, the, by this show next week, so one week from today, this is, will be, uh, I don't know, this is like late February, we will review, we'll look at the, we'll look at the new reviews and we will read the funniest one or the funniest ones online. I and had a huge prize here. I mean, <laughs> maybe we'll send you something too. The, the we'll, stakes are high. If, if there's a way we can reach out to you, email, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Why don't you email Brad at evergreencap.com and, um, and maybe, maybe we'll just have a call. Maybe we'll have a call and hear about your goals. Yeah, and you look, could just make us laugh. So yeah. go, go to iTunes, leave us a review and then make it funny and we'll read it uh, next episode. Okay. Let's get into this, Brad. Okay. Here we go. We're back. We're, were we away? <laughs> Temporarily. Yeah. Your ninth favorite podcast hosts are back and today we are going to be... <laughs> Most people have about 10 podcasts in their in their repertoire, right? Yeah, I, I feel honored to be in the top 10. Yeah, we appreciate that. Everyone. It's an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> yeah, we're, today, we're going to be talking about the MBA, the Masters of Business Administration, and specifically, should you get one? And uh, what are the pros and cons and all that stuff? And uh, we think this is going to be a fun episode, so hold on tight. <laughs> all right, so let's, let's kick it off. I mean, look, Brad, you know, we have a lot of young listeners out there. And by young, I mean, I don't know, 20 to 35. And it's sad that that's young <laughs> these days. Jeez, <laughs> it is sad. And, a lot, you know, a lot of them email us because if you're 20 to 35, you know how to use email. And I think that's probably the main reason we get emails from those folks. <laughs> and, you know, and it's like, hey, we want to break into private equity or real estate private equity or, you know, what's the best path? And and oftentimes these these youngsters will ask us, hey, is it is it worth me going and getting an MBA? Wait, should we caveat that if you're over 35, doesn't mean you need to turn this off. Yeah, no, this will be fun. You can relive some of your glory days and maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but you probably aren't thinking about getting an MBA for much. Older. I don't know. What do you think? 40? I don't know. Probably. But I think some of the, you know, some of the life lessons still apply. Yeah. No, I think uh, that's a good point. So yeah. So we get this question a lot. Should I get an MBA? 
I think oftentimes it's specifically geared towards, hey, I want to break into private equity or I want to break into venture capital. I want to get into real estate, private equity, and and will this help me? And so we're, we're going to address that at the end, towards the end of the episode, but maybe we just kick it off and, and just keep it more general. Um, so Brad, tell us about, uh, you know, do you have an MBA? It's <laughs> a loaded question. Oh, well, conveniently for this episode, I do. Oh, good. So, okay. So you're an expert in MBAs and where's your MBA from? I got my MBA from MIT. Okay. And MIT. So that's a good school. I would, I would put MIT. It's decent. Yeah. I would put that, I would put that business program in the, in the top echelon of business degrees. And I have mine from Stanford, which Brad, I hope you will agree. We we would also put it amongst that group and don't you dare say otherwise. Well, I'm feeling generous today. So okay. sure. Thank you. So, so Brad and I both have our MBAs. It's not Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure. It's the, uh, Harvard is the Stanford of the East. Um, and we're going to, we're just going to kind of riff on the, the, the pros and cons of an MBA. And I think it'd be kind of fun for everyone to hear that hopefully. And if not, just go ahead and turn it off like you normally do. <laughs> Um, okay, so maybe we start off, Brad. I think there's there's a lot written about this. You know, before this episode, I was just Googling, should I get an MBA? Or, you know, what are the pros and cons? And I think, I don't think we need to boil the ocean here, right? There's definitely some specific reasons why you should and should not get an MBA. Should we lightly grill the ocean here? Yeah, let's just lightly warm the ocean. You know, look, I think if you have a very specific job in mind, like, hey, I want to be, you know, whatever, VP of operations for my you know, from my manufacturing business and I know the owner of the business and he said, I need an MBA, then a clearly you need to go get an MBA. So we're not going to address specific situations like that. But you know, if, if you have a dream job and that job requires an MBA, by all means, go out and get one. Yeah. You know, the advice I heard a lot was, was actually, Hey, don't just go get an MBA just to get an MBA. And I actually disagree with that. <laughs> I think it's I was totally, going to be contrarian on that yeah, too. I go, think you, it's <laughs> totally fine to punt on your career and completely reset everything and you have no idea what's going to come out of that MBA, I think it's totally fine. Yeah. I think you go find yourself for two years at some great school with a lot of other really smart people, learn a lot, interview at a million different places, think about doing a startup, do a startup while you're getting an MBA. I think it's a perfectly good reason to go get an MBA just because. You know, okay, and I'm going to play devil's advocate because I actually agree with you. I think it's totally, I, I did read that a lot where people are like, hey, don't go get your MBA just because you, you don't know what else to do. And that was exactly the reason I went and got my MBA. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what if you can't, what, you know, what if you just don't have the GPA or the or the test scores or the work experience to get into one of these top, you know, 10, 15, okay. 20 so schools? That's, like, that's what, a different yeah, argument. Yeah, like, I, I think it's it's hard to to make the argument that uh, you're going to go to a bottom tier school, like, you know, in the top, you know, from 50 to a hundred and you're going to go spend $120,000 or whatever the, you know, the cost of that school is. Uh, and you're probably not going to get the, the financial benefit from it. Yeah. So I get that argument. Uh, the payoff is certainly a lot more linear, obvious at the top, you know, upper echelon of schools, right. Where you can come out and get, you know, hundred and twenty, hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Well, yeah, and you have MBA. a you just have a brand name on your resume, right? Yeah. So it's easier to make the argument that that brand carries a lot of weight and is going to actually pay off from that opportunity cost of you know taking off from your career for two years and spending just a ton of money on this experience. <laughs> it is expensive. Uh, you 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 probably want to make sure you're not coming from a you know Bob's uh, University MBA program. Yeah. So I, I think we're, it sounds to me like we're both in agreement and that if you can get into one of these top, you know, whatever, 10, 15, 20 schools, 
which I think you just, I think you can go, right? I mean, it's, it's probably worth taking a little bit of a flyer, especially if you don't know what else you want to do. I yeah, mean, because I, you don't, it, you run into so much opportunity, right? At these schools, you don't, you can't predict what's going to happen in terms of who you're going to meet, in terms of what doors are going to open for you. And so if you, you don't have a clear exact path of what you want your, your next 20, 25 years of your career to look like, I mean, this is a way to, you know, experiment and try new things and, and find serendipity. Yeah. And if you can't, for whatever reason, you're not, you didn't, you didn't, <laughs> you actually had fun in college, unlike me, and you didn't study all the time, and you don't think you can get in one of these top 15, 20 schools, then I think it is a little less certain, right? I think then it's, then maybe it does come down to like, all right, are there, are there specific jobs that you want to get that maybe need an MBA? I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, because there's plenty of these schools that are just, you know, they're just straight businesses and some of them are a little shady and they will take anybody. So that means that, uh, the quality of the other students is going to be lower, right? Because anybody can get in, uh, and the, the teaching, the teaching staff's going to be lower and it's probably just not going to have the same payout ratio. Yeah. Okay. So then, so I think we've, we've quickly sort of addressed two of the issues. If you can get into one of these top schools, great, go for it. I, I highly recommend it. It's amazing. If you can't, and you can only get into one of these really bottom tiers, you know, call whatever the, the lower 25th percentile, probably not worth going. So maybe, maybe a way to address the, the remaining sort of that middle tier of schools, the 50 percentile in the middle. Maybe we say, uh, maybe we just kind of go into what we, how we benefited from getting an MBA and uh, maybe that'll be helpful for some folks. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, kick it off, Brad, but tell us uh, some of the, some of the reasons why you're glad you got your MBA from MIT. You braved two winters and oh, thigh deep snow. And my you are, goodness. Am I right in saying that you are not a snow guy? No. I mean, you're not a cold weather person. I am a California guy through and through. It was brutal. So I actually I actually made my wife and I get a overpriced apartment that was literally across the street from the school. <laughs> just to cut down just, on the commute. Just <laughs> to cut down on the commute. I literally would walk like 100 feet and I was there. Uh, into the business school. So I didn't quite live the Boston experience. My my wife certainly did uh, more than I did. Uh, she's a saint, thankfully. But yeah, so for me, a, a lot of it was just the timing of where we were in uh, the financial crisis, right? I uh, was working in, you know, private equity real estate. And this is what, 2008? This that... was 2008. Okay. And so it was, well, technically that was when I applied. So I went in 2009. And so we were in the, the thick of it and I worked in acquisition. So we weren't going to be buying anything anytime soon. We weren't, uh, you know, our, the head people at our firm weren't going to catch the falling knife in the market, so to speak. Right. We didn't know where the bottom was. So you saw the next few years of your job being kind of uninteresting. Like literally just sitting there. Like <laughs> just they, a lot of email. Yeah. And it started, they were just like, well, what should we do today? Right. And it was just a lot of busy work and a lot of, you know, looking at deals that we were never going to buy. We were just going to sit our hands for at least two plus years. Yeah. So I thought, well, look, if I'm going to do it, this is probably the best time to do it. Gotcha. Okay. So and it was a bit timing. And for me, it was also, I wanted to shore up my uh, my resume from a finance uh, perspective and also get that education. I was technically working in finance, but I didn't study finance in my undergrad. And so I went to MIT and, and took a finance focus. And so I got to, you know, take classes from Nobel Prize winners in economics. It was unreal. Oh, So that helped. And then also, you know, I met a couple of my best friends too uh, from that experience. And, and part of that came from just the close, you know, where you're working on projects, you're you're working on uh, some people working on startups that you chip in on and then a lot of travel. Uh, you know, I lived a very sheltered life prior, prior to business school. I literally had been to Mexico. That was the only other country I had been to. 
And uh, at my time, uh, you know, in Christmas break or summer break, I, I did a crazy amount of travel. I went to India. I went to uh, Brazil, Argentina, and most of South America, just uh, doing, you know, crazy experience with other classmates. And I got to work for a venture capital firm for a month and help them out on a consulting project. You know, it was just an amazing cultural experience. Yeah. And that's, so I think you hit kind of three of my bullet points too. So it's not, the first thing you said, you, you got sort of a formal education in finance, right? Yep. Which look, let's not discount the fact that there are actually courses at business school that people do take. And it is, it is school, although that seems to take like a second, a backseat sometimes, I think for a lot of folks. Totally. And then you made some great relationships. I think, you know, that's totally on my list as well. And then, um, it sounds like you just had a lot of fun. I mean, it's, you, you kind of couched it as travel, but I think you probably also just had a blast for like, for a couple of years. And then again, that's life is short and Hey, it's, it's kind of nice to have a lot of fun for a couple of years, especially when you've been working a tough job for the last three, four or five years. Yeah. It's almost a bit like, um, I, I kind of equate it to, throwing an expensive wedding when you're getting married. It just seems so irresponsible at the time, yeah. right? It's like you might as well save the money for a down payment on a house, it, right? Exactly. But that no, is, go, for, go for the wedding. That go is for the wedding. That is 100% what you should be yeah, doing. Live from in a, a crappy apartment for the next couple of years. But you and I both, you know, blew money on the big wedding. And <laughs> yeah. in the moment, we're like, wow, how, how much are the chairs? Do we, do we need chairs? Right. Uh, but... Now I'm so grateful we did that because it's yeah. a life experience that I'm going to remember till you know I'm 100. And, yeah, and you're not going to be worried about whatever the the amount of money it was. I wish I would have gone to your wedding. <laughs> I didn't know you then, but it was fun. I would have been invited, right? Yeah, well, Maybe. I mean, it was very expensive per person, yeah, so I, it was a high bar fair for enough. who made the cut. And I would have understood. But no, I agree with you. Look, I think um, you know we both. I think we you know you and I talked through before this episode and wrote some lists down, but. I would say number one on my list too is just the relationships that I built. I think if I li if I list my eight best friends in the world, you know, five of them came from my two years at business school, which is pretty remarkable, right? Especially given that you don't really make best friends in life after like twenty five. I feel you know it's it's like more circumstantial. It's hard to be around folks is for for a high you know high frequency of period of time to really establish great relationships and. And that's something business school gives you. Yeah. And how do you put a price on that? Right. It's, I did. It's a, it's apparently, <laughs> it's apparently $127,000. <laughs> no, but you're right. It's, you can't put a price on that. Um, and then I would say, I guess the other thing for me, and I don't know if this is true for you, I'd be curious, but you know, if I look at four of the five jobs that I've had since business school directly came from me being at, you know, going to that business school. Right. So I joined a, a solar energy startup um, at a business school and that, you know, that was founded by people in the class ahead of me at Stanford. I bought a company down here in Southern California that I ran for a couple of years. And the, one of the biggest investors in that company was introduced to me by one of my best friends from Stanford. And then my current search fund, the current thing I'm doing with is my partner in this is one of my best friends from Stanford. So it's, you know, for me, it's directly related to all my jobs. Is that true for you? Yes, for sure. The investment banking gig in real estate post MBA, I, I would not have gotten that that job uh, without it, I don't think, because um, it's just a formula for them. It's like if you're going to come in as an associate in an investment banking culture, they typically, you know, either take you, you know, you, you get promoted as an analyst or you come in after post-business school and come in as an associate. It's just a lot harder to do it without, you know, not doing that system. Yeah. And they come up with that system because it's just really efficient. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Makes, it's a screening process. Yeah, but it's not to say that it's impossible. Like you could have got all those same things could have happened to you without the MBA. It's just that it's harder to connect the dots and the MBA and that experience and the the pedigree 
grease the wheels and probably open the doors oh, man, to make yeah, all those it, things happen. It, it just made it so much easier. You yeah. know, and I, I, you know, I feel grateful every day for that, that I have, I've had these opportunities. I, I would say the other thing that I, I really appreciate from having gone to business school is just call it the kind of the general business knowledge slash soft skills that you pick up. Like I feel like I could have a, a reasonably intelligent business conversation with people across different industries, you know, in different markets and, you know, even different countries, just because you're exposed to a lot of that in business school. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you just kind I, of feel I, plugged I look bold, in. reasonably intelligent. It's yeah, the key. <laughs> Not version. highly intelligent, yeah, just, just reasonably. reasonably. Yeah. But you know, someone brings up, you know, some guy in finance brings up the time value of money. You're like, Oh yeah, I get that. And somebody in marketing brings up, you know, segmenting your customers. You're like, Oh yeah, I, I get that. Or, you know, you, you bring or up accounting, like, yeah, accounting, know? like credits and debits and things like that. You just, you at least have a cursory knowledge of that stuff and you, you, you feel like you're a little bit more plugged in. Totally. So, yeah. Okay. So I think we have, you know, the relationships, the, the education, the job opportunities, the fun. I mean, gosh, the fun is, oh, let's not fun. discount I for, that. I forgot the theme parties. I mean, um, it's like undergrad all over again. No, like to be fair, let's give the balanced approach, you know, the balanced perspective here. I, I can't, I literally did come out with $127,000 in debt, right? Ooh. And that's, I'm, st I'm still paying that off. I'm 42 years old. I have three kids and a mortgage. And sure enough, every month I cut a check for a few hundred bucks to yeah. uh, the student loan But folks. you could have paid it off a while ago. It's just you've chose to keep that debt because it's low interest rate. And well, it's not, <laughs> you could have. Yeah. You sold a company. No, sure. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, this is this is real money. And I think yeah. I do think this keeps a lot of people from going, right? They see the price tag and they're like, yeah, I don't want to come out of school with $100,000, you know, dollars $100,000 in debt. And that's, that's fair. Yeah. I, I think if you take the long view on your career and you have enough confidence in your earning ability... I think that that becomes secondary in the yeah. analysis. And, and, and that's the thing too. It is, it is, you know, you can get a reasonable interest rate, you can consolidate those loans, you can get a reasonable, you know, longer 10 years to pay it off. So it's not, you know, it's a few hundred bucks a month, but it's, man, it, I do think it's well worth it. So I, I come, I come out strongly on the side of it and it was, I'm so glad I did it. Yeah. And I agree. And it, of course it's, well, you know, of course you think it was worthwhile. You spent all that money and time <laughs> yeah, doing it. I rationalize. That's so, like, I'm so glad I had all three of my kids. Yeah. So actually I, you know, I don't think we, talked about doing this but I, we should probably take the opposite side too uh just for uh no i like shits that. and giggles okay here. yeah you, you kick it off why yeah. should why should we why should we not have gone or why should you not go other than kind of the other stuff we mentioned already i think to me it comes down to like you know opportunity cost right so if you if you think that you if you have an amazing job already and you're just you think you want to you know get an mba to try to hit the gas on that i, I think that's probably misguided if you're already happy on your career path and you're having a blast in your current role and, and the path that you're on, then I don't, I don't think it's for you. Yeah. Especially if you, if yes, I think you've made this, but especially if you're staying in that same path, right? It, it's if you're, totally. gonna, if you're, yeah, I get your point. It's totally not worth it to take two years off. If you're just going to go back into the same industry or back into the same, on the same path, which a lot, like a surprisingly number of people that I knew in business school went back into the same industry or even the same company. Yeah, is that, if that's is that, the case, was that true for you too? If that's the case, then you got to treat it like a vacation. <laughs> yeah. And a very expensive vacation. Well, that, and that's funny you'd say that because um, one guy in particular that I'm thinking of worked at IBM before business school and he went to Stanford, whatever. It's a hundred and, you know, call it 140 grand for two years of, of education and living and his company paid for it. And he went right back to the company. He's like, hey, look, I had a great two years. Yeah. So well worth that's, it for that's him. That's a no brainer. I had a couple of friends that did that too. It was just the whole thing was paid for. I was like, geez, must be nice. Yeah, yeah. But I also think it's, it's, you know, it's not needed if you are just a hustler and you know, you kind of know that you want to be a, a deal guy or girl 
or you are, you know, an entrepreneur and want to start companies on your own and you think you're ready for that, oh, don't, totally. you don't, you don't need to go take that money and invest it in your company in a startup and, or, or invest it in a property or a business and yeah. just try to get an MBA with real life experience. Yeah, no, I think I, I agree. And I, some of the most impressive people that I know in their careers actually did not go get an MBA because they were already just killing it, right? They were whatever, they're working in private equity or a hedge fund or an operating company and they were just doing so well and they were so talented that they, they just didn't see a need for an MBA. They were already kind of getting the promotions that they needed and wanted. And so they thought, why would I take two years to go off and do that? And so, I bet, you know, there is something to say about, for me, I actually gained a lot of confidence in my ability to go start a company because of this process. I, going into it, I was like, oh man, there's these people are going to be so brilliant and I'm going to be one of the the dumber guys in the room and yeah. you get there and you realize that everybody's kind True. of the same and oh. right. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you go on and you, you realize that, you know, you look, soldier on. <laughs> yeah. There are no adults. Everybody's making this stuff up as they go along. Sure. Some people have slightly more intellectual horsepower than others, but it doesn't really matter when you go into business as yeah. long as there's kind of a baseline intelligence, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you kind of realize, well, look, look I, I conquered this. I can go out and do other great things. And you see your classmates do other great things out in the world, raising, you know, capital and starting businesses and, and leading companies. And, and, and that empowers you to go on and do the same thing. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. And I, cause I think what going to business school did for me was it raised my, it raised my expectations of what I could do in life. Like, I, I think I wouldn't have had such high expectations of myself before going into business school. I was like, you know, I was an engineer actually uh, coming. I did a master's in engineering and I was an engineer and I thought, hey, I'll just, you know, kind of continue on as an engineer. Um, but then you go to business school and you see all these amazing things that people are doing and, and the, you know, the vision they have for their careers and you can kind of just by osmosis, you're like, well, wait a minute, that person's no smarter than me and no more talented. And why, why can't I do those things? And so, yeah, I, it's I, energizing. It is. It, it raises your sort of confidence and your expectations of yourself. So I, that's a, that's a good point. Um, but wait, I thought we were taking the alternative <laughs> that we were taking the opposite approach of why we shouldn't go to business school. So if you're a hustler, you know, if you're already doing fabulously in your career and you just want to stay in your current career trajectory, probably no reason. Yeah. Um, if you're, it, to me, if you're a rainmaker in any capacity, in any type of industry or business, and you know that you can, you know, you go out there and, and, and kill, right? The, go out and hunt and bring it home. Like, you don't need to be, uh, get, get an MBA, right? Yeah. It's like, if you can deliver, then that's, that's enough. And you can go make it happen without it. But if, if you want to shore up your, your resume and you want to have a great experience and you want to try to, you know, go through private equity in a more traditional path, this is certainly a way to do it. Well, yeah. And let's address that because that is, that actually is the question that we get a lot from folks who listen to the podcast is to say, Hey, I want to break into private equity or venture capital or real estate, private equity. How do I do it? You know, should I get an MBA? So how would you address that question, Brad? So I would say there's, to me, there's two, no, three paths. So one is you, you came from a great undergrad school and you got an amazing grades, right? And you're impressive already. You just go be an analyst somewhere. And so then you stay at that firm or, or jump and go to another firm and you just stay within the company, within that system. Yeah. So you, you, you join either out of college or maybe a couple of years out of college if you first have gone into like investment banking or consulting or something like that. One of these feeder yeah. industries, right? Yeah. And they really teach you like investment banking or consulting. They'll teach you how to model the heck out of, you know, different investments and how to do decks and they'll teach you the basics. 
And that foundation experience can take you to the next level and the next level until eventually you're a managing director at one of these PE firms within real estate or straight private equity buying companies and yeah. and you're running the show and making all these crazy investments. Yeah. So if you're an undergrad right now at Harvard University and you have a 3.9 GPA and, yeah, and you, you have a job degree. at Goldman yeah. coming out you're of fine. undergrad, you're fine. Yeah. We're probably not talking to you anyway. <laughs> so let's, okay. So that's one path, right? You just sort of go up through the analyst associate path and, and stick around. Yeah. Then another path is that, okay, so you got a three, two from Hofstra. Nothing gets Hofstra, but you know, it's not Harvard. Let's be honest. Uh, but you're a hustler and you can get stuff done. Well, then maybe it's an internship or maybe it's literally you go out and find some deals and tie them up and you bring a deal to one of these private equity firms or uh, a smaller firm that just, you know, that they make those type of investments and say, hey, look, I did this. I'd like you to, you know, if, if you're interested in the deal, you fund it. And they may or may not take that deal, but they're going to be really impressed <laughs> by your hustle. Mm. And they might just give you an internship or a job at that company because you're a rainmaker. Does that have you, do you know of that happening? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You hear about it. It's rare. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I, 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 I want to believe that that's possible. I just, I'm just not think. I don't have any examples off the top of my head, but I, I think, I do think it's a plausible way to do it. Yeah. Well, I this just, is advice. I wish that, I had some, this some. is advice I'm going to give to my son or daughter is that, look, you, you can just go out and make it happen yourself. That's, right? that's true. I, I, th I think that's probably a good general life advice, like, right? Like if some young, and this has actually happened. So I've hired a, an intern and then, you know, I actually offered him a job, but he actually, he went off and got his MBA. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm, I'm too good for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm now I'm with you. You know, yeah, it's like, what did I get invited yeah, to here? seeing the kimono. Yeah. So he actually just brought me a, a lead on a piece of property, uh, mobile home park, right. That he, he didn't tie up, but he had been talking to the owner and it was a great deal. And he just brought it to me and said, Hey, look, I've been trying to, you know, break into this industry. I've been following, you know, your company and really want to, you know, start a career in this world. And, and here's something I'd like to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like I like that path. I and mean, that's the hustler path. It's definitely the path less traveled. Um, but if you, if you can go out and sort of make your own deals happen and you can, and you can bring those to PE firms or real estate, private equity firms. Yeah. I think you're going to, you're going to raise, raise up your, 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 um, yeah. And a middle manager, a middle manager might not appreciate that. Right. Yeah. But the owner of the business or a senior managing director certainly might. Okay. Right. You know, I, I realize that MBA Stanford, it's not like this, um, you know, golden ticket that just ensures that somebody's going to be a, an incredible worker. No. Right. It doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's a, it's a signal. It's, it's more likely that that person is well-balanced and bright and ambitious, but it's not a given. Yeah. So the fact that this person who didn't have a pedigree brought me an actual deal, that's very valuable. And that showed that, you know, they were, they were worth taking a chance on. Yeah, for sure. I respect that. And so what about, okay. And then the third path obviously is the MBA path, right? Yeah. And the MBA path, you, you generally come out of of school and it really between your first and second year, you're doing all these interviews to go either in consulting or investment banking, or sometimes with, you know, directly to a private equity firm uh, as an associate. Yeah. And I, look, I think it's important to say this, but it, a lot of folks who go into business school thinking they're going to switch careers or get into PE or VC or private equity, they don't successfully execute on that. Right. I mean, like it's still really hard. Yeah. It's you know, not a given. Yeah. It's like, I knew I, I, you know, I have a buddy at Stanford who came in, he came up through the operating business world. He worked at some operating companies. 
he came to Stanford and he did get a job at Goldman Sachs out of Stanford where he became an investment banker. But man, he hustled, he hustled that, that whole first year in terms of interviews and preparing for interviews and really selling himself. But I think a lot of people don't successfully navigate that and they do kind of fall back on their, what other industry they came out of. So, uh, you know, I think it's possible, but again, it's, you still it's have your work cut out for you. Yeah, totally. And again, I think this kind of goes back to the pedigree thing too. It's obviously easier to get into some of these, you know, there's some scarcity here on the private equity firms and real estate private equity firms, or if you come out of a better program, you're going to have a, a better, better chance here. So, okay, cool. So yeah, three paths. So I think, so where do we, where do we net out on whether folks should get an MBA? I think it's like, if, if you, if you've already sort of come out of college and you, you don't have the, maybe the undergrad pedigree or the GPA or the work experience, and you're already not at a PE firm, you obviously that first path is cut off for you. And if you're not a hustler, you don't feel like that's the one for you. And you do, you're really con confident you do want to get into real estate, private equity or VC or, or private equity, then maybe, um, you know, I think an MBA could be a very good path, but again, just know that you have your work cut out for you and you're going to have to, you're going to have to hustle to get into one of these firms. I Fair. agree. All right. Good luck guys. Let us know if you have any questions as always. Take care. Thanks for listening to the alternative investor. Since you made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit the alternative investor show.com.